Okay, you ready for the fullest? Go for it. Okay, here we go. So, absolute top, financial affairs. Just broad, general. Solid. From there, unfolding holdings. Excellent little bit of rhyming. Thanks. Standard and poor, which, as you have said, you would need to know what the S&P 500 is to get that one. You would. You would, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Small cap, which is a little bit charming. Again, maybe too much of a stock reference. Your new dough. Dough spelled D-O-U-G-H. Yeah, I think that's too American, isn't it? Like, do we say dough You guys dough don't here? ever... Yeah, do you guys... You don't ever call money dough? I mean, we know what it is. Like, we know what it means. But, like, we will never say it. Okay. What a, sh- what a shame. And then maybe my favorite, which was cow and sow, which we took bull and bear, which is a common mm-hmm. investment thing. And then the female version of that is cow and sow. I love that. But then you also had to explain it to me. Yeah. So which is, if you had to explain it to me, I think a lot of people wouldn't get it. But then yeah. I'm also a bit slow. With things like that. Well, no. No, I think like everyone <laughs> would have to. But to be fair, I had to Google what a female bear was and it came out with sow. And then when it rhymed with cow, I was like, this is absolutely perfect. But yeah, maybe too much explanation. But I think I feel when like people podcast... would also, it would, it would leave us open to be calling cows. <laughs> if anyone well, didn't we'll, like us. In the future, like if it were to go viral, like one of us could be cow and one could be sow yeah we would never have yeah. to use our names there you go yeah. a- excellent and then cow and sow on the dow if you wanted to be a little bit longer mm-hmm. there you go or just on the dow maybe clean it up a bit and yeah. then strong independent finance terrible hate it hate it it's too too cliche no no material girl if you want to make a, a direct tiktok reference which why wouldn't you i know and we could spell girl <laughs> like g-u-r-l like you know if grew was gonna say girl mm. Yep, I think that would be good. Frolic in the folio. Fun, lighthearted. Fun, I like it. Yeah, I think that should have been it, but that got rejected. (laughs) I couldn't give a fund. Solid. I think the only reason we didn't pick that was because um, it was taken. Yeah, someone else had it. very like it, yeah. Which was a huge bummer, because that's really good. Mm -hmm. And then something's gotta give. Something spelled S-U-M, like a sum. Yeah, but like we're a maths teacher, though. yeah that would if if we were teaching third grade math that would probably be a fun thing we would come up with yeah if we were those people (laughs) yeah and then gaslight gatekeep girl boss also excellent not about finance yeah and then we don't want to be like oh we're you know overusing girl boss because yeah you'll see later (laughs) okay and then shut up and thrive excellent might open us up to a lawsuit from rihanna true we don't want that couldn't have that because she'd be on our radar yeah definitely like i think the first person to listen to this podcast will be rihanna obviously yeah like she's our target market and then finally you better be saving yeah but then we we were worried about the brand and if we were allowed to say and yeah said it twice which we're we're gonna find out when this gets edited and if it gets completely edited out it means we weren't allowed to say it so no one will know sorry ray if that added editing jobs for you All right, roll the music. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to FML, Fund My Life, a podcast brought to you by Wall Street. So welcome to the very first episode of FML. My name is Nicole, and I'm the social media manager here at My Wall Street. With me today is my amazing co-host, Anne-Marie, who you might recognize from My Wall Street's my Wall Street's infamous stock club podcast and is one of our top investment analysts. Hello, Amory. Hello. Thank you for Hi. calling me a top 
analyst, even though we only have four. Yes, and you're also the best female analyst. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, it is it's a tremendous high bar that, that we have here. So I remember the other day we were actually chatting about, we think this might be the first Irish female-led investing podcast, which is very niche, but it's still cool that it's the first Irish yeah. one. Definitely. I think it'll be exciting to kind of bring some investment information to a new audience, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. With There are a couple caveats, of course, with the, with that title is, is number one, I'm only half Irish. And number two, you are not in Ireland. So yes, I'm in Lisbon. Yes, but I'm still Irish. <laughs> so there you go. We, we are in the company is Irish. So we're covered yes, in that sense. that's the main. Okay, so before we jump in, we might do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so Amory, with a few questions to answer. We both work in my Wall Street, but our listeners might not even know what that is. So what is my Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, that's that's no problem at all. So my Wall Street is a company dedicated to helping you own your financial future by providing you with the information and resources you need to be a successful investor. We have a free learn app. Uh, we manage a list of analyst pick stocks in the in the my Wall Street product, uh, where we also keep you up to date on what is happening in the market. Well, it's also important, I guess we should say, that for those of you who are new to investing and wondering why you should start, um, here's here's a few reasons. Number one, it's a great way to make sure your savings stand the test of time because of inflation, which is a very hot topic at the minute, um, and a, really a lack of decent interest rates on savings account, you lose money when you squirrel it away in the credit union over time, um, which is a huge bummer. And so investing allows you to beat inflation and create a stream of passive income to help you achieve your long-term financial goals. And that could be anything, sending your kids to college, getting a down payment for a house, or even retiring early. Yeah, and the above reasons, that's why we kind of created this podcast, basically, to make investing seem approachable, easy, and something you can actually enjoy. Because traditionally, investing and the stock market as a whole hasn't been that welcoming for women. Yeah, and we kind of wanted to create a community for novice investors to ask questions and feel supported in their investing journey. And along the way, you'll learn a thing or two about the finance and business world. So there you go. And without further ado, here's the very first episode of FML Fun My Life. So, Amory, can you tell our lovely listeners, when did you start investing? Yeah, so I would have had some investments when I was like a kid, like back in the day, but I was not in control of them. And, and my dad is an accountant, so I have a bit of an unfair advantage. And also I grew up in America, where I think investing is just kind of more on people's brains. Um, so anytime I had money that was like sitting in my savings account for too long, my dad would always ask, did he did he want me to take a portion of it and he was he's very much just kind of into index funds and that type of thing um not really doing you know picking picking uh individual companies so really my kind of investment journey um in the my wall street sense of of picking my own stocks started really when i when i began working here and it was um really nice to kind of be in an environment and at a job and in a community where that was very normalized and people were talking about type of thing. And it was uh, very empowering. You felt like, you know what, I have the resources to do this. I have the knowledge, the understanding, and I can trust myself. Um, and, and that really made it easy. And that's, that's where I started. Are you the same? Yeah, I was the same as you really. I think we actually started on my Wall Street around the same time. So that is when I began investing as well, just having like access to all that information I think we would have been like fools not to. We were learning all day about the benefits. We were writing all day about the benefits. And before I started, like I did have experience and, um, you know, being a, like a financial writer, but for like currency exchange and mortgages and um, loans and things like that. But um, yeah, like the stock market was quite 
it was quite foreign to me and I think a lot of other Irish girls it's not something that's commonly discussed so yeah when we when I started here I was like okay this is great like I need (laughs) I need to get on this like as soon as possible and even like I started at 25 and I was like oh I should have started (laughs) even younger like but I think as soon as you really can like the most important thing is yeah to get started so I was just really excited and yeah I've been doing it ever since. (laughs) Yeah I remember you saying um, that you used to think that investing was something that like only rich people did like you had to have a large amount of money to start investing. Yeah 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 that's um I definitely thought that like it I I knew about investing and it was like something I thought oh I'll do that when I'm rich like it yeah. wasn't not sorry not like not not that I knew I was definitely gonna be rich but <laughs> I thought like when I'm like in my 30s and 40s and have like excess income yeah. like I didn't even it didn't even come into my head to like start putting a little bit of it away now like I thought mm-hmm. you needed I, I basically thought you needed so much to even start I thought like it wouldn't even be worth it if you only had um yeah. 50 150 a month like I was like I didn't even know like how affordable it is actually is to start investing it's not all fund managers and you need this much capital to go in with like it's very individual it's literally like you know you can round up your spare change now and (laughs) invest it that's a great way of doing it yeah I think um we sometimes use market uh, marketing campaigns where we say to people hey like you can literally start with with 10 euro a month like yeah. if you're putting if you're putting money in your savings account take a small amount of that and, and maybe start investing it so yeah mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree it was like very liberating to have um that kind of narrative around you where people were like actually the absolute greatest thing in investing is is not the amount of money you start with it's it's, it's when you start you want to maximize yeah. the amount of time and so being young and starting at this company I was like okay you know what, if I, if I have enough money to put in savings, I'll, I'll put a little bit of it um, in, in, this, in the stock market and in some stocks picked out. So that was um, really, really wonderful. But I guess that kind of raises the question of setting an investment goal and kind of thinking about your, your mm. long-term future. Because we should probably tell people that, that at My Wall Street, we're long-term investors. So um, I think really kind of when the whole GameStop fiasco happened and, and the meme stocks and the Reddit stocks, when they were in the news, I think people kind of thought, began thinking of investing kind of as a game. You know, it was something yeah. that you did every day. You buy and you buy and sell and your attention always needs to be on the stock market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to be using Robinhood and, and all these type of things. Um, that's not really the game that we're playing here at My Wall Street. It's, it's a lot of um, buying companies that you believe in, companies that you think have a great long-term future will be around for 10, 20 or 30 years. And, and you make your initial investment and you top it up and you kind of check in to make sure that your investment thesis is still valid. And that's kind of it. You know, we don't want this taking up a huge amount of your time. And so kind of in that way, we're always trying to set long-term goals. Yeah. And I think the like the biggest benefit of that is, there's also like so much like research and stats to show that long-term investing outperforms like day trading of course there's day traders that make a lot of money but it's harder and it's more risky and yeah like on average it's it's not as profitable so I think that's another great thing like not only can it doesn't take up like long-term investing doesn't take up as much time as day trading but you're going to make more money and it's safer and you know you can just invest and you know forget about it <laughs> until the next month when you have some money to um divide into whatever stocks you want it's not like you have to check the news all the time and be worrying and you know something that we always say as well is if you're kept up at night worrying about your portfolio that's bad you know yep. we don't want anyone <laughs> um like you know if you can't sleep there that's a bad sign yeah and you're you're Red actually flag. you're yeah <laughs> you're, you're dead right like we hear that repeatedly from um like 
analysts and, and statisticians, basically the only way that an individual investor can beat the market. And when we say beat the market, um, you can invest in the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest companies in the United States. And um, that's has very consistent returns. It always kind of come back, comes back after recessions. It's a very like stable way to invest. Um, kind of when you buy individual companies, hopefully your goal should be to beat that market um, and kind of assemble a portfolio of stocks that, that you think um, have even more growth potential than the 500 largest companies in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and truthfully, the only way for like an individual investor to be, beat the market and perform consistently is to be a, a long-term investor. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's just so much risk with, with day trading and um, buying and selling really, really consistently. So maybe with that in mind so that we're both thinking about the long term, what is kind of your investment goal? Like, what are you investing for? What do you hope to accomplish with this? Simple. I want to retire early. Yeah. Like, I would love to not be working late 40s, 50s. Um, and I've seen like it is possible, you know, I've seen the stats and stuff. If I'm consistent enough and yeah, invest in the right businesses, hopefully like I will be able to like retire early. And that's the kind of, that's the financial freedom, I think dream that we all have and yeah like in this kind of like at the moment you need to be as well like you know the cost of living is rising so much that we can't just depend on our salaries anymore yeah definitely I think like my kind of semi long-term goal is maybe to get like a house down payment out of this and we've had users of the my wall street product write into us and say that you know I've been investing for five or six years with you guys since the beginning Mm -hmm. and it helped me um, have a down payment to get a mortgage or that type of thing or um we had a, we had a user's... mortgage yeah early, like so 15 recently years like early yeah that woman yeah. did that was amazing to hear like, crazy yeah, yeah. like really cool. really great yeah. okay and, so well know, th- those things will allow you to like yeah retire early like you know if your house is paid yeah. off that's massive yeah definitely so yeah. I, well since we're both kind of early days in our investment journey i guess it's it's worthwhile going back to the beginning um and having a look at what was your first stock when you joined my wall street my first stock was actually Netflix because okay. I loved that message that, um, you know, James and Emma and everyone used to kind of reiterate, um, buy what you know. And Netflix is something that I use every day. So I was like, love Netflix. Um, it's a great stock. And yeah, I think I was just excited to invest in something that I was very familiar with. I know how it runs. I know how it makes money. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's a nice company to follow along with because when you see it like, you know creating all these originals and when there's when the series do well and when their movies do well you're just like oh i'm an investor in that so it's yeah netflix was mine what was yours well before you asked me that what percentage of of your desire to invest in netflix stemmed from <laughs> emmett's original investment story from back <laughs> in the day okay yeah so to tell everyone this is a great story um i think yeah it was 2003 i think it was that emmett um, sold his car um, put it all into Netflix stock and uh, we don't know how much um, his car was worth but still <laughs> um, and I th- yeah the I think Netflix was like a dollar 20 cent per share or something like that um, and now I think at the time the company two, like $50 per share so yeah and at the time I think Netflix was only in like six or seven states in the United States and we're just doing DVDs like it yeah. wasn't even streaming or anything like that yet yeah he and, got in so early like it was yeah. amazing how he noticed that and I remember him saying that the reason he was so drawn to Netflix was he hated ExtraVision and the late fees. And so he was like, what company is trying to disrupt this space? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
out of kind of disdain. Um, but yeah, it's been his most successful holding, and it's kind of you know there's sometimes newspapers write articles about him. Yeah, about yeah. Him in the office, there's um in the office there's a few you know framed photos of him in the paper telling his story. I actually recently did yeah. a TikTok about it, and it did quite nice. well. If I um Ooh. may say so myself. Yeah, I go. just think people love that you know that little like selling your car like even though Anne Marie I think we've said before we don't want <laughs> we're not advising please don't sell, sell your car, car <laughs> <laughs> to put it into one stock this no this was a this is a random story <laughs> this, this was a fluke this was before Emmett wrote the six golden rules of investing and uh yeah yeah, yeah he's also a, a professional product. yeah he's also yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah. yeah what was your first stock my first stock was actually Slack, which the reason mm. I decided to go with Slack is prior to working here, I had worked at a company that used Microsoft Teams. And my disdain, pure disdain for Teams, I just could not get over that product. I thought it was so poor. It was so hard to use. And I just like so many things that Microsoft builds. I'm like, why does this look like it hasn't been updated since 1998? Like I just found it mm. so frustrating. I find Outlook so impossible to use. And then I came here and I used Slack for a week. And first off, Slack, very easy to learn how to use. And I was like, this is great. Like this is so disruptive. And it was kind of a David and Goliath story because obviously Microsoft is a huge company and Slack was a startup and was small. And the first I kind of I put money into it and I was I felt really good. I was kind of like, you know what, I'm starting a new job. This job is about investing. The company gives you a little bit of money to invest initially to make sure that you're kind of participating. And I was like, this is a good omen. Like this is a product I use at work. I use it every day. I felt good about it. Put money in. And on top of that, I remember Rory telling me a story really early days about how Slack was used by 90% of tech startups in the United States and Europe. And and right. that had given him the idea of as these tech companies begin to scale, they're going to need to add more and more and more employees to their Slack membership, which means Slack is going to balloon as all of these companies that use it balloon. And I remember thinking that was like so smart and innovative. Um, yeah. And so I put money into it. And then for truthfully the absolute like the next day after i put money into it it just read completely down into the toilet i think at one point i was down like 50 percent first stock i ever bought i was so upset i was like this is terrible i'm terrible at doing this blah 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 <laughs> and then one day I was at work typing away writing up an article and got a message from rory and he was like salesforce is acquiring slack and i went to look at my holding and the stock had just shot up by like 80 percent. it was crazy so how devastated were you when you found out that Salesforce bought um, Slack? Like I know a lot of people are frustrated if they buy a company and buy into a company and they're kind of acquired before they reach their full potential. Yeah, it, it was kind of upsetting because the re like Slack is was at the time, I think a smaller, medium sized cap company, which means that they sometimes are a little bit more risky. They tend to be a little bit more volatile. Um, and then it got acquired by Salesforce, which is like a boat of a company. It's huge. It's, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar business, very large. And it's kind of sad because in the transaction, like when Slack was acquired, like I was given Salesforce stock in exchange. And I was like, well, that's nice because Salesforce is a very solid company, very good performer. But it's a bummer because like all this potential and growth, like exponential growth that Slack could have had, it gets absorbed into a much larger company. And it means that the entire company will only go up, you know, a, a little bit, like kind of all that growth um, gets outweighed by, you know, the much larger Salesforce company. Yeah. So that was sad sure. to kind of see it get acquired. But it was kind of nice because I had been very bummed out about going into the red. Um, but it was nice to kind of have my first stock that ended up getting acquired. I, like I ended up making a bit off of it. I was like, okay, now I feel 
good about this. And then like six or seven months later, Emmett did a big stats project about his own holdings. And he had someone go back to when he started investing in, I think, 91 or 92. Oh, I remember and, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they basically looked to see when Emmett bought a position in any company, how likely was it that upon him buying it that the stock would drop? Um, and it came out to like 98 or 99% of companies. And it was mm-hmm. kind of Emmett statistically going and proving to investors. He was like, look, no matter what you buy, no matter how confident you are in this company, when you buy that stock, it's going to drop. So you should only be buying companies that you feel so good about. That if the stock drops, you will have the faith and the confidence to be like, no, do you know what? I believe in this company. It has, it, it's, you know, this is long-term investing. I'm thinking about 10 years and 20 years. I'm not thinking about right now, today, or next week. Um, And so I take a lot of comfort from that. So anytime Mm -hmm. I buy a company and it ends up dropping a bit, I'm always like, no, do you know what? It's okay. Because 99% of the time this happens to Emmett and and he always comes out on top. So that was a good lesson to learn. That's great advice, especially at the moment as well. You know, when like the the market is down, it is good to hear things like that, that, um, you know, it's normal, it happens and they'll go back up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was kind of like what I learned from my first investment. I think it was like an important mm. lesson um, to have. Mm. What do you think would be your first kind of educational lesson that you got from buying Netflix? I don't know. Do I have any particularly for Netflix? Well, I guess it has been interesting to see, you know, like Amazon, Apple, Disney kind of all enter the streaming space. So I'm a bit yeah. like, oh, <laughs> This is, yep. this is, you know, even more so than when I first invested. There's more competition. Um, so that's been like a lesson to learn as well. Like just because there is competition, it's not like it doesn't mean the end of the yeah. stock. Um, so yeah, basically just not to panic, not to worry. But I think in general for my first few investments, I think I invested in too many. I think I yeah. was just like, you know, um, say if I invested like 150, I think at the start a month, I was divided then by like 20 stocks, which is not what yeah. you're meant to do. Like you're meant to hold as many as you can keep track of. And mm-hmm. I don't think I was doing that, especially as like a very new investor. Um, so yeah, if I could go back, I would like just not invest in, in so many. Like this, you know, it's yeah. kind of better to have put a bit more into less companies and then mm-hmm. ones you keep track of and make sure you actually truly believe in them and you understand them and you're reading yeah. up on them. Um. But yeah, I think that was something to learn as well. Like yeah, you just get I think... excited at the start. You're like, oh, I'm gonna mess that. I'm yep. gonna mess that. And you know, working on my Wall Street, we, you know, we get like so much information about stocks, and you know, it's so easy to get excited about different companies all the time that we're just like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. That sounds great. But you mm-hmm. know, it's also something to be like, okay, you don't have to buy all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you're dead right about the excitement. Like when you start mm-hmm. learning about investing for like the first three months, it's the most thrilling thing ever. Also, we were at such a disadvantage. So we entered my Wall Street October of 2020. And at the time, we to be fair, we were in the middle of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. um, for those people that don't know, growth stocks, which is kind of what we would be investing in, like a lot of tech companies, stuff like that, were doing mm-hmm. really, really, really well. Because a lot of people who were continuing to work during the pandemic had a lot of excess cash because everything was closed down. They couldn't spend money on anything. They weren't going on vacations. So it meant that a lot of excess cash began to flow into the stock market. And it just sent so many stocks so high. February of 2021 rolled around and everything just fell. The market it just kind of lost lost its its faith in growth stocks um we might be it might be coming back right now and we've had you know a lot of um like 
political and economic issues that have that have yeah. arisen. So, you know, the market isn't as isn't as fun as it was in October of, of twenty twenty. Um oh, so fun but, back then. Yeah. Which but I green, guess like green, green, green shoots <laughs> everywhere. Every day. Party, it's Paddy's day, day you in your portfolio. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we would have we would have stocks like lemonade. I remember like sometimes you'd open the app and it had gone up twenty five percent in one day. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was great. But yeah, no, it, it hasn't been like that since then. But I'm kind of thankful because I do think it taught us that important lesson of like it, it, it will be exciting at the beginning, but you always have to like tamper down your excitement a little bit and remind yourself to be reasonable because the longer you do invest in now or whatever, almost two years into into it, it just becomes very routine. And you're just you, you just kind of put money in the stocks you pick out and feel comfortable with and, and just and just do it. And you don't really think about it, it is almost like putting money into a savings account, whereas at the beginning, you're it's kind of like a little bit of a game to you because you're just, mm-hmm. you know, you think you think you're going to be a millionaire overnight, and that's not exactly <laughs> that's not exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, going on from there, this was a surprising stat that I found. Um, that like the, basically the benefits of starting, you know, when you're young, basically as soon as possible. Oh, yeah, so when yeah. you're 18, you can start investing. Yeah. Um. So I was playing around with my Wall Street's compound interest calculator. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Alejandro <laughs> our head of logs who made that because literally yep. like it's so good for social media content I can just share them yeah. and it's just so a nice way of reassuring people and yeah basically just like sharing stats about um, how much you can make by your investments mm-hmm. compounding over time so also we that. should say to people that they can go on and use the invest the compound calculator themselves and yeah. run a, yeah. run some of their own simulations yeah yeah so big lead up to this stat go on um so if i started investing when i was 18 and i put 25 dollars in to the stock market a week um i would have over eighteen thousand dollars right now as i'm 27 wow and that's with um an average yearly return of 11 percent which is like decent decent return yeah um but yeah so like even that like you know 25 dollars a week you know it might be like a takeaway or you know it's something very small but just showing the importance of starting you know as early as possible I think is just yep. so cool like I you know and people again that kind of goes with what I was saying earlier and people don't people think you need so much money to start investing and you don't yeah. you can start with even less yeah. than that you know it doesn't have to be $25 a week it could be 10 a week mm-hmm. yes yeah. it's, it's just having that mindset of putting something in and yeah. the earlier the better the then it has longer to kind of compound and compound. Yeah, it is. You know, you, you tend to hear people kind of when they find out that you work in investing, they tend to come up to you mm. and be like, oh, like, um, what should I do? Like, how do I start investing? Like, they're always looking for company names. You know, they're always kind of looking for that thing. And my, my, mm. I'm always saying them like, no, lesson number one is, is, is to start like, particularly if you're young, like if you're in your, if you're in your twenties, because when you start investing in your thirties and you have to take into consideration more factors, you know, you have to be you you can take you have to take on less risk because there's a possibility you might need the money sooner than you think. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. in your 20s, you have such a long term horizon yeah. in front of you. Um, yeah, it's absolutely like if you're thinking about investing, the time to start investing is today. Mm-hmm. And it's also yeah. a great it teaches you budgeting skills as well. Like yeah. when I get paid now, like I in my head I think well this much this much is going to my investment portfolio, like it needs yep. to, and then you make you you budget the rest of your like whatever you have so I think it, ha- it has stopped me you know spending that money on things I don't really need now moving on to some of our regular segments bet you didn't know 
So the first one is, bet you didn't know that women make better investors than men. So yeah, there's been like countless studies that show that women actually outperform men when it comes to investing. Um, and I think this is for a multiple of reasons. Um, but Amory, you kind of went into depth about this in one of the recent pieces that you did for the My Wall Street app. Um, why do you think it's the top reason why women actually make great investors and sometimes they outperform men? Um, yeah, it's it's actually interesting. The, the thing that makes women the best investors also makes them less likely to invest. And that's because they are less likely to take risks. Um, pretty consistently, women um, tend to save more money than they invest. Um, but that also means that when women do invest, they tend to leave money in their investments for much longer and they tend not to move them around so much. So men are more likely to, you know, the market is down and they panic and they pull money out of stocks. Um, whereas women are better at kind of having a level head and being like, no, I'm going to ride this out. We're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is great. However, the, that the issue of women saving too much and not investing enough leads to some issues down the line. And so there's been some studies done that in the US, upon retirement, women tend to have 40% less money um, saved and invested for their retirement compared to men. And, and obviously, like, there's, there's, um, like the issue of the wage gap and things like that. And often women have women having to take time off work uh, to raise children or the lack of maternal supports or um, even the fact that women tend to work in fields where they get paid less. And then by making less money, that gets compounded over time to mean that they may have 40% less in retirement. So it is a huge issue. We need to get more women investing. It's a very important topic. Girl boss of the week. Okay, so this segment aims to poke some harmless fun at a company, individual, or just about anyone else who has truly outgirl boss themselves recently. So, Anne-Marie, would you like to tell everyone who is FML's very first girl boss of the week? Well, before we get into that, I just want to, we're going to, we're going to define some terms here just so we we don't get in trouble. So let's have, we're going to have a bit of a history lesson about where the term girl boss came from and how it's kind of been reappropriated in today's culture. So the term girl boss was first used by Sophia Amoruso, and she was the founding CEO of the clothing company Nasty Gal. In 2014, she, is it? Nasty, is that not? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that is a Netflix show. Oh, Okay. Crazy. I didn't know that. Well, anyway, <laughs> the clothing company, Nasty Gal, and in 2014, she wrote a memoir in which she used hashtag girlboss as the title. And from there, it kind of entered our collective lexicon and became this battle cry of an elite group of women who had risen to high positions within corporate America and claimed by doing so they were dismantling the patriarchy. So individuals like Sheryl Sandberg come to mind. Um, she's very high ranking in Facebook. And around the same time, she published a book called Lean In, in which she called upon women to basically create their own equality in the workplace by working harder and demanding more positions and power. The kind of irony around the title was that many of these quote-unquote girl bosses were working for or leading companies that did little to address systemic issues within our society, economy, or culture other than having like just a female CEO or board member. Mm-hmm. So for example, Amoruso from Nasty Gal, her career there was plagued by constant turnover, accusations of discrimination, and abusive management. The company eventually went bankrupt. And so for this reason, Girl Boss today has been reappropriated and become an ironic label 
table that the new age of the internet loves. So you hear a lot of Gen Z people use it on TikTok. And so if someone today calls you a girl boss, they're telling you that your branding and your marketing and how you label yourself is in contradiction with your actions. And Alex Abad Santos' advice said that gaslight, gatekeep, and girl boss is the live, laugh, love of toxic, exclusionary white feminism. So we are going to contribute to this rebranding of Girl Boss to use it as a label to call out people, companies, or trends that say one thing or do another. So are you ready to hear the first one? I am. Go for it. Okay. So our Girl Boss of the week this week is Peloton. Peloton. Okay. Yeah. I know. Tragic. How the mighty have fallen. Um, The reason that Peloton is the girl boss of the week is because of an issue called cosmetic oxidation. Have you ever heard of cosmetic oxidation? Um, I can't say I have. No. Well, actually, the regular person word for cosmetic oxidation is rust. Um, So we found out... I know, yeah. We found out uh, from a leak that the Financial Times covered a few weeks ago that um, Peloton tried to accelerate its manufacturing process during lockdown um, and at the height of the pandemic because so many people were ordering Peloton bikes and they needed to be able to keep up with orders to, you know, make money and impress all of its uh, stockholders that it began cutting quarters. And for that reason, its quality control kind of fell off. So they were selling bikes with rust, but the company calls it cosmetic oxidation. So don't worry, it's not rust. And they would paint over the rust um, with black paint that they said fixed the issue. But a lot of quality control people who worked at Peloton previously before the pandemic have said that issues like that would not have passed traditional quality controls and the bikes wouldn't have been sold. They actually would have been scrapped due to safety concerns. Well, Peloton has said that none of these bikes should have safety concerns, but it's just another issue. They've had so many recently, so many problems with with management and increasing prices of bikes really quickly. And yeah, they've just had a, ver- a terrible kind of six to eight months. And this was just the most ridiculous element of it so far. So our girl boss of the week this week is Peloton. A great choice. Yeah. I can't believe that. That is the wildest story ever. Like, how do they think yep. they're going to get away with that? I guess people, the, the rust tend to be happening like on the underside of the seats and underside the handlebar. So I think they thought no one would ever look okay. down there. They were like, oh, don't worry. No one's going to look under the seat. Just put the seat on the bike and that'll be it. We'll just sell it. It's fine. Yeah. Peloton's been having like a nightmare though recently. I just feel like yeah. they're always in the news and it's always negative. Yeah. You know, they're like, even their Sex in the City debut. <laughs> yeah. he Didn't he die was... in the Peloton? Yeah. But oh. like... I don't like they obviously must have known that was going to happen. Maybe maybe they didn't. They probably I'd say they would have had to have been told because I think their brand could be seen. Like everyone knew it was a Peloton bike. Like it wasn't a generic one. So maybe they knew. Yeah, they probably did have to be told because like or else it's kind of like yeah, slander. Yeah, maybe did the cosmetic oxidation cause him to die? No, he was just working out on it. He died. Um, but yeah, like not great. But then he, the yeah. the actor, I can't remember his name, but who plays big, um, he did an ad for Peloton. After. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe. And then he just he, he just got caught in a massive scandal and got fired off everything. Who? Big. The actor. Yeah. No, he didn't get fired. He didn't want to be in it. His like he said that he would come back to the reunion, but he wanted them to kill him to kill him off because he only wants to be in one episode. Oh no! But he has all these harassment allegations against him now. So oh. he got like fired off of all his other projects. Yeah. So that's terrible oh, that Peloton god. hired him for an ad. Oh god. What this an absolute getting deeper. another scandal. <laughs> another like well Peloton. I don't know. They just it's maybe they have like tragic. a really weird 
PR team. No, I'd say they don't have a PR team. Okay. I can't believe we just uncovered that live. Yeah. Yeah, what, like okay. everyone listen. It's hot news. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that actually, that's a wrap for the first episode of FML. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, tune back in in two weeks when we will be discussing the Becky ETF, the importance of buying what you know, and what stock me and Nicole would pick if we were starting our portfolios from scratch today. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us over on Instagram at at FunMyLifePodcast, on Twitter at MyWallStreetHQ, and on TikTok at MyWallStreet. And finally, if you're ready to start your investing journey and looking for resources, check out My Wall Street's Getting Started podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or download the My Wall Street Learn app. Both are linked below. If you want access to our list of stocks, handpicked by our analyst, and lots of other interesting finance and business content, download the My Wall Street app and create your free account today.